to nothingness. Uncle. There you go. Uncle. Wunkle. I thought it was like Wunkle. Is it a Wunkle? Wunkle. Uncle. It was Uncle. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. We're back on Roots to Grooves. Talking about Uncle. <laughs> Talking about Uncle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, James Lavelle. Yeah. Kind, yeah, of, yeah. kind, of, kind of the uncle of uh, electronic music coming out of the 90s. Yeah, maybe a lot of maybe somebody maybe one person sees him like at that. Yeah, U N K L E. I think they spelled it out even in that first track that we played. Maybe that was the main title theme from their album, Science Fiction, mm-hmm. way back in nineteen ninety eight. That came out, and um, yeah, I uh, suggested them this week because they've been a big inspiration on me throughout the years. I've known about them for a long time. And I, I realized that a lot of people don't know about them. So I thought it would be a good uh, discussion to have to explore mm-hmm. what they're into kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, you hadn't heard of them at all, right? Yeah, no, no not uh, a little bit because you brought them up over the past few years. Yeah. And, you know, even hearkening back to like, I don't know, 2017 or something. I was yeah. up in your apartment in Capitol Hill and you showed me that album, which yeah. you eventually brought on one of our episodes and showed it on camera. I did, yeah. Um, which was, that was science fiction. Yeah. Little did I know, um, at that point I hadn't heard it and you were just kind of telling me about it. And since then I've gotten a chance to listen to it through um, going through DJ Shadow's work. Yeah. And then for for this, obviously, yeah. getting into some James Lavelle and, and Uncle and science fiction. And I mean, what a great album. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, funny, like, yeah, I have it back there. It is there somewhere it, with a couple of uh, other albums of theirs. Um, but it's, uh, yeah. I also remember, you know, um, we did that show in the cabin um, out. Yeah, in, out uh, in the mountains. In Natchez. Natchez, yeah. Natchez, yeah, yeah. Washington. Uh, I remember, uh, yeah, I guess you weren't there for that, but we did had this dinner party with the guys that were putting on this show. And for people that don't know, this was a show. Um, we're in, me and Jesse were in this band called Sultans, which was uh, Shayhan and Je- and uh, Jared's uh, group. They've since got rid of that name, and Shayhan's releasing solo stuff, and Jared is uh, doing producing work. They both live in LA now. They're both working with Ray Khalil, who is uh, who just won a Grammy recently with Anderson Pack. Um, so, Huge. That's great. Yeah they're doing that and um yeah back in uh, a couple of years ago uh sultan's got approached to play this random show out in in the middle of uh, washington somewhere out there because it's this group of people that get together once a year they're all like ex-college buddies or something like that and mm-hmm. they camp at this place and they cook food and they play music and they wanted this band to play and they saw us actually play i think at central saloon in pioneer square I think that's how. Oh, that okay, happened. that was the connection there. Yeah, they approached us and um, and uh, asked Shayhan if we wanted to do it. We said yes, and then we actually went to a dinner party with the with the people that invited us at their house. Mm-hmm, cool. Uh, Jared was there, Shayhan was there, and for some reason, at some point, I put on this album, Uncle Science Fiction, mm-hmm. and I was like spinning it <laughs> during the dinner party, and uh, Shayhan was kind of saying it's like gorillas, but before gorillas were gorillas, mm-hmm. like that, you know. Okay, and that kind I of, he, that. he got those vibes from it, sort of thing. But yeah, I guess to give everyone else an overview, they they are um, trip hop, electronica. Um, in their later albums, they've sort of they they have a lot of like rock 
people um, collaborating with their music. A lot of like bands that people didn't know about and. Yeah, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Ages and a few albums. That's what I was going to say. And James yeah. Wells worked on their um, yeah. their album. What is it called? It's so close or something like that. But he he helped produce the title track off that Queens of the Stone Age oh, album. Oh, he did. I didn't know that. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me look it up real quick. If you can kill yeah. some time with some words. Yeah, <laughs> kill some time as well. <laughs> so um, yeah, they've uh, you know been around since '98 and um, like clockwork. Oh, really? From 2013, so not even that far James, ago. James LaVille yeah, I think produce that. Yeah, as, as far as I know, I think it was, um, I think the title track, which is the final track on that album, Yeah, and he like co-produced that with, with Queens of the Stone Age. You know what? I actually really like Queens of the Stone Age, and we should probably do a show on them, even though they're pretty big. Yeah, well, they but, are pretty big, but because I, yeah. um, I, I went on a little tangent on them after discovering that James LaVille worked with them, yeah. and like they're kind of not as big as I thought. Maybe like they're, not. they're kind yeah. of big, you know, if you like music, if you like rock music, alternative yeah. stuff. Yeah. For he, sure. But I don't know. I, I kind of thought they were even bigger than, than they were. Because, I mean, they've, Dave Grohl's worked with them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, big names. Maybe maybe, maybe even just a show on Josh Homme. Because uh, he's done a lot of different things. And the uh, Desert Sessions was a project that he does as well. Okay. Where he does these different albums with different people. PJ Harvey has been one on, on one of these albums. Okay. He's um, come up in our podcast before. Yeah. PJ. Yeah. Uh, she. PJ oh, she. Oh, my bad. P- I'm yeah. sorry. I'm oh, sorry. we should, we, we, we got to do a show on PJ Harvey. Then. Okay. That sounds like we have to now. Maybe this is my barometer. My if bad. You, if you haven't heard of about them, then it's a good one to talk about. Maybe we should do it. That's yeah. probably honestly great, though. Yeah. And um, yeah, so yeah, Uncle, and um, yeah, it's it was started by James Lavelle, and for people who don't know, James Lavelle um, was the founder and label manager at Moax Records, which was a big '90s uh, record label um, in the out of the UK that championed a lot of the underground hip hop stuff that was happening in America and kind of bringing it over to the UK mm-hmm. and putting out a lot of vinyl. Um, a lot of singles. Uh, he uh, got in touch with DJ Shadow and introduced the UK audience to DJ Shadow back in the day. Yeah, kind of merging the you know, like literally continental the yeah. the, the, the the divide. I don't know what yeah, you yeah, would yeah. say, but I mean, DJ Shadow was out of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, and so obviously, Uncle's out of London. London. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, so the story of kind of Uncle was intertwined a little bit with Moax in the beginning days, and definitely with James Lavelle because Uncle was basically James Lavelle's project. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not really a musician, he's more of a producer, more of a kind of creative director sort of thing. He has gone on and done some vocals for mm-hmm. um, some, of the, some of the tracks that have come out, cool. and, um, and does some vocals live as well. Um, but he he's done some work with um, like uh, movies, I think too. Some kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Not screenplays, uh, like or soundtracks. Soundtracks, yeah. yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely done some soundtrack work. Yeah, with, with Uncle as as the Uncle Project with his co-producers. Yeah, they've worked on like some okay movie soundtracks and commercial kind of stuff. Um, but he's all over the place. He's a, he's a pretty hot topic for for going a go to guy for remixes. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. still to this day he's kind of yeah he's not he's worked with a lot of cool yeah uh, bands like the Verve Beck yeah, yeah like big names and they they ask him to to remix stuff yeah yeah so um, this is not a Moax episode but <laughs> a 
There's a, but, but kind of. But I, kind of, yeah. And it's like, so, because, um, uh, well, okay. Well, I mean, so Mo Wax, this guy's yeah. young. And yeah. I don't know what I was learning about this guy. He seems like a cool, chill, smart guy mm-hmm. who, who just wants to create stuff. And um, to put things in perspective, he, he created Moax when he was 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just so young. Yeah, and he said by the time he was 26, he'd put out almost 300 records mm-hmm. uh, on his label, Moax. Yeah, I saw an interview more, more recently like mm-hmm. in the last 10 years or so and the interview was like so how do you feel you are you you you're really productive right now yeah you know like are you more productive than ever and yeah. and james lavelle was like well i mean yeah i put like 400 albums out before i was 25 right yeah. so like i would say i was kind of always kind of at this <laughs> level of high production yeah and that made me laugh a little bit because it's it's incredible what this guy's been able to achieve in yeah somewhat short period of time yeah and this um yeah for me he's been sort of always present in my early years of music so living growing up in the uk around this time when he was in the thick of it with moax and when the first uncle album came out um and actually the first uh way i found out about any of this was an article in a magazine called mojo it's a music magazine out of the uk i'm not affiliated with moax no no, it's just called Mojo. There's just a Mo. Yeah, yeah. In the the greater hive mind at that time, I people, guess. Yeah, yeah. Gotta yeah. have Mo. Yeah, Mo something. Always gonna have Mo somewhere. Mo this, Mo that. And um, yeah, so I read this. It was like this big article, and um, had a picture of James Lavelle and DJ Shadow kind of standing up against the brick wall. This is a work of pure memory. I don't know. If <laughs> no, let's bring it out. We're, we're there. I couldn't find this article at all anymore. But I just I read it and I was just like captivated by it. And this is how I found out about DJ Shadow at the same time. Mm. Um, and they were talking about like how, you know, James had this label, Moax, and he was putting out all this stuff. And it talks a little bit about his history of meeting Shadow and putting out his stuff. But then he also talked about the Uncle Project is something that he'd been trying to make the first album for like 10 years already at that point. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't coming together. Um, but he'd started production on it. Yeah, there were, there were things in the in the mix, songs, everything like that, and he just wasn't happy with it. It wasn't working, and then he got uh, DJ Shadow involved, and they basically scrapped everything that had been previously written. Mm-hmm. All of that music was just like gone, and they just started from scratch, basically, kind of thing. And um, and yeah, and this article was about this, and I was just like, oh, that's great! I've got to listen to this now. After I read mm-hmm. that article, this is back in the day before the internet had everything on it. So I was like, wow, I got, I got, I got to find find this now. I've got to listen to it. I did, and um, it's it's one of my greatest albums of all time. I finally got it on vinyl, like mm. I mentioned in a previous episode. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean, it's an amazing album. It has it has a lot of uh, unexpected guest appearances as well. Um, Tom York from Radiohead is on a really great track called Rabbit in Your Headlights. Mm-hmm. Really good track. Yeah, I really like that one. I, I mean, this was the first one when I was doing my research and I listened to science fiction all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the first time I listened to it all the way through, like, nice. kind of consciously. It's a fucking great album, man. It, like, yeah. It's so deep. Yeah. You can listen to it over and over and get new stuff out of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, the, the Tom York track is incredible. Yeah, and that's like towards the end of the album, I think. Um, yeah, it's like the third or 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 penultimate track yeah and then you also got um mark hollis from talk talk mike d from the beastie beastie boys 
Cool G Rap, Jason Newstead, who used to be the bass player from Metallica, Badly Drawn Boy, who was kind of, I don't know if he's so big in America, but he was kind of a big artist in the UK at that time. Okay. And then Richard Ashcroft from The Verve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and these are, all, these are all people that appear on the album, as well as a few other people um, that we did mention on the DJ Shadow show. So like, check that out. Yeah, totally. Um, so what what was the relationship between cuz we know DJ Shadow. Yeah, yeah. And we know introducing was his seminal album mm -hmm. which was critically acclaimed mm. worldwide and it it still has that um you know, still it's still influential. Yeah, it has that yeah. reputation. It's it's yeah, yeah. great. It was a, you know, seminal album, first um instrumental hip hop album. Yeah. And so that was great. So how how long before that did Science fiction come out before introducing came out. Um, We're talking like two years. I think science fiction was after introducing. Right, I think introducing came out, and that was like 1996 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 98 was science fiction. Okay, so it wasn't pretty. Yeah, yeah. So basically, right after that album cycle for yeah. DJ Shadow, they hooked up. Yeah, and kind of started this kind of this new project, and they didn't know what they were getting into. And then I guess, I mean, just to fast forward for a little context, I guess, you know, they started working together and it was really great and they recognized each other's talents and powers yeah. and they're like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. Like you said, they scrapped everything James Lavelle had before he was working on and it's like, hey, yeah. got this new energy with DJ Shadow who yeah. obviously is cooking up some hot stuff Yeah, yeah. and scrapped that stuff, worked on some new stuff. And then I, I, what I was seeing is that maybe they had a little bit of a falling out after the whole project. Yeah, I think, I don't really know all the details, but I think they had some sort of contentious studio moments whilst they were working on it. Like creative idea yeah. differences? Well, also I think like Shadow was used to sort of being in the studio by himself and doing things on his own, in his own way. Not not so much as a collaboration yeah. effort. Um, okay. And with James Lavelle not really being a hands-on uh, person at that point, like mm -hmm. he wasn't programming anything, he was... He was just like, I got these ideas and this is how like thematically I want, these are the textures I want, you know, kind of creative mm -hmm. directing it sort of thing. Totally. And then probably not being happy with some of the things that, you know, Shadow was doing. And so I think like, I think that dynamic of, you know, kind of Shadow working under the gun of another producer is not something he was used to sort of thing. And mm -hmm. I think, I think that's where that tension came from. I don't know. Uh, completely the true story but I, I feel pretty confident that that might be the case because of just knowing their approaches and stuff right like, that. like yeah. i mean yeah that's what i've seen in researching you know science fiction in in particular it's like they they recognize each other's talents and wanted to work with each other but doing that they recognize like mm, there's just some tension yeah it's it's incredibly difficult to communicate ideas that you just have in your head like for a beat or for a vibe and then expect one guy to just you know make exactly what you have in your imagination yeah and that's kind of he, what he was expecting of dj shadow yeah i think is what yeah, yeah, you know yeah. tell me if i'm not making any sense yeah no i think so yeah and also like i kind of think about steve jobs in this sort of scenario because of the stories of how Steve Jobs used to really sort of pressurize his employees to mm -hmm. deliver a certain thing or a certain level of quality or whatever he was expecting right. at that moment in time. Right, kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, in the moment, obviously, it's like horrible, but if you look back at it in like retrospect, 
you're like, well, he was striving for something, you know, and he's trying to push people to be the best they can be kind of thing. Yeah, and, he had strong yeah. conviction over an idea. Yeah, he and, had a vision. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's one of the most interesting things about the music industry and, and life as a, as a human trying to create things is, is that we all have imagination. We have these ideas. Mm-hmm. And then how do we make them real? Yeah. And then how do you make those real if you have to work with other people? Yeah. Most of us have experienced that you have to work with other people in order to make something that you can't make by yourself. Yeah. So you have to compromise somehow. Yeah. Um, there's going to be some give and take. There's going to be compromise. And I think that's just what they were experiencing. They're like, there's yeah. creative differences. There's limitations in our communication. Yeah. Um, but they still made this fantastic album, Science Fiction. Yeah. So it was like a, it was a huge win. Unfortunately, I guess they kind of never worked together after that. No, yeah, they didn't. Um, I don't know if how their relationship is as people now. I don't know, but um, but yeah, like they, and it's interesting because you know this is a one-off, unique album, Science Fiction, and like uh, like DJ Shadow has not produced anything else like it. You know, right. I can hear his stamp all over this album, uh-huh. and it's very interesting. Like I, regardless of what happened in the studio and personal relationship wise, I think I feel like whatever happened created a good, wonderful piece of art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like there was like, like a tornado yeah. of emotions and yeah, like yeah. who's doing what, how are we getting this done? Yeah. But somehow through the chaos, this beautiful album blossomed. Yeah, and uh, I mean to describe the album, it's it's dark it's, it's dark trip hoppy it's atmospheric mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of space themes yeah, throughout really it moody moody themes of like lostness or whatever but it's definitely like every track put together as an album puts you in a very specific place like you're watching a movie mm-hmm. and it doesn't let up you know no it, it creates a sense of space yeah. and a, like a setting and yeah. you know, like every track creates a world yeah you know, like a vibe that you can feel and they're like okay kind yeah. of feel this emotion yeah and yeah some of it's like like i get like dark nighttime in the city yeah, yeah. kind of lonely yeah some of them just kind of like introspective yeah lonely vibes yeah. which you know i don't i don't mean to say it like a downer but it's just yeah. amazing when music can make you feel something yeah, yeah. and that's how you know it's a winner yeah by track or by album but it also has like you know the for me it's even though this is 20 plus years later it still has like a modernness to it 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 feels like you it still feels like to me you're in some futuristic place mm-hmm. that we haven't quite got to yet i don't know this is a weird way to explain the, the no album, 100 like, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. super weird to describe that's why music is so cool because yeah, yeah. it makes people feel things yeah that you can't describe really yeah, yeah and that's i think that's the language that these people are speaking yeah that, that, that's what we're all trying to 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 speak that language as musicians yeah, yeah. you know we want to be part of that conversation and it's hard to get to yeah um you know just like it's hard to learn a language yeah. that you don't know yeah musicians are kind of constantly learning this musical language yeah um and yeah with that comes a lot of miscommunication Mm-hmm. and unexpected turn of events yeah and sometimes it's just a little chaotic and that, that's kind of the human experience yeah. yeah sometimes beautiful things prosper from that yeah absolutely yeah. you know that's what i'm getting but anyway you know i don't mean to sound like a broken record it's uh, it's an awesome album it is kind of dark yeah even the album cover is kind of like a 
you know cardboard brown yeah and it looks it's almost like it's just drawn or painted on a piece of cardboard yeah not I I, sometimes i say things that feel like i'm debasing <laughs> the the art i don't mean to make it like bring it down like it looks like it's a piece of cardboard but just like the color mm. and the art um it, it's a cool album art for sure yeah, yeah. the the music's even cooler yeah, and the art was created by this uh, American graffiti artist called Futura. Okay. Who uh, collaborated a lot with James Lavelle and other Motowax releases. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's still around now um, doing cool shit. He has this, he has sort of these alien characters that are on the cover of this album. And he also makes them as like little figurines, plastic figurines and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think James Lavelle has that tattooed on his arm too. I think so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. I mean, it's definitely a very specific, specific aesthetic, and it definitely fits mm-hmm. what's going on here. And I feel like before we move on any further, I really want to get this track out of my system and play it. I'm so super everyone, down. I'm down. Well, well, I don't know what you're going to play though. I want to play "Lonely Soul." Okay. Um, off of science fiction, featuring Richard Ashcroft from The Verve. Sweet. Um, to me, this is a real deep track. Really thickly layered lyrics are great. It's not a happy one, but, you know, it's a mood. But it's a mood. Yeah, so here we go. God knows your lonely souls. God knows your lonely souls. So, mm. by Uncle. <clears throat> it was ending on some emotional notes there on the strings. Mm-hmm. Lots of big strings in that track. Yeah. As Richard Ashcroft from The Verve on the vocals there. And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> lyrically, I feel that could come across as very dark to a lot of people. I wasn't listening to the lyrics too much. What, what's, up, what's up with them? I mean, I feel like it's kind of sort of, um, it seemed like it's an end of life type song. Mm-hmm. Sort of okay. Thing. Um, I'll have to go back and listen to that again. Yeah. Usually upon first listens yeah. or, or, you know, yeah, yeah. beginning listens, first times I've listened to music, I tend to not hear the lyrics as much. Yeah. Just going off the vibe of the music and the, the vocals and the melody. I'm usually not either, but I think probably because I've heard this track so many times over well, the for years sure. kind of thing and latched onto the lyrics at a certain point. And yeah, for me, I, even though, some people might see it as dark. I, I kind of feel it as like an uplifting thing and um, kind of sort of striving against, in my life, against the lyrics that are going on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's hard, weird to say, but I, I think a lot of people growing up in life listen to certain music, certain music hits you a certain way or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, you know, this is maybe an unusual one, but it's... Uh, for me, kind of poignant and, yeah, it just sort of like, yeah, make sure 
I'm not a lonely soul too much in this world kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, you know. But um, but anyway, that was like really moving track, I think, and um, yeah, really good. And uh, yeah, I guess to sort of sort of backtrack a little bit about James Lavelle himself. Do you have a little bit of background about his growing up? Um, James Lavelle, yeah, yeah. Before we move on to the other albums, yeah, we didn't really go back to his history, I guess, at all. Yeah. Um, so he, um, yeah, grew up in London and he did kind of have a musical family. His, um, dad, I think was a a folk singer and a drummer. He said as well, he said his grandmother was the first woman in the Irish Philharmonic Hmm. orchestra. Um, her, his grandparents on that side coming from Ireland originally, and then they moved to London where they, um, continue to play music and teach music and uh, i think when he was a kid his grandmother gave him a cello and he used to play on that he was asked about what he remembers about that and he was like he just remembers painfully trying to uh, learn scales like on the cello, on the cello. Just, <laughs> yeah. as the first instrument that sounds rough yeah and he kind of gave that when he was 12 years old it wasn't really sort of working out for him but yeah, like his yeah, his grandparents were heavily into music. His dad was into music. His uncle and it, one of his brothers as well is uh, really into music. But he never really sort of picked up an instrument himself, really, other mm-hmm. than the cello. Um, and I think he kind of had a little bit of a um, interesting sort of teenage years where he said his parents were breaking up and getting divorced, and mm. he said he had one brother that lived with his his dad's another brother went to a private school and then james himself lived with his mum. oh yeah i see and he worked in a local record store and he said from the age of 14 he basically stopped going to school like he just bunked off himself and either to work in a record store or to steal records he said or to hang out in like the local sort of town area with his friends where he was like skateboarding and break dancing in the street and stuff like that and um, he said he was really sort of at that point buying a lot of like tapes of early like hip hop stuff that was happening in the US mm-hmm. and uh, really getting into that with some of his friends. And, uh, you know, like this is sort of like late 80s, early 90s. So he was, I mean, or mid 80s even. So he was like listening to Grandmaster Flash and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Early hip hop people. Yeah, he was into some Beastie stuff. Beastie Boys, yeah. And I think he ended up making some some other music that hearkening back to like early Beast Boys. Yeah. And like Beastie Boys, that is. The way he sort of described it is um, you know, as a teenager he was kind of searching for identity and he said he found it in hip hop and it was mm-hmm. like for him kind of helped him see the world in in a way kind of thing give him some perspective yeah and also he, he kind of he also described it as like all of that stuff he was seeing out of america at that time with the hip-hop thing he said it was like america was like technicolor and britain was in black and white and um that's kind of how he described it and he said that after listening to hip-hop he said like a lot of the the rock stuff that was coming out of the uk at that time with um certain artists he said it sounded retro to him after hearing the the new stuff that was coming with hip-hop with like um the way they were sampling things and stuff like that and i think a really good example to 
do this is to play a track off of one of the artists that he mentioned that he used to listen to a lot. Yeah, I think that'd be some awesome uh, context for everybody, including myself. Yeah, which I haven't heard before, but he there was this group called EPMD, and this track, I'm Housing, I'm going to play, came out of 1989, I believe. Okay. But but it sounds super modern to me, so let's cool. play a little bit of this. Yeah, it's EPMD on housing from 1988. 88, because like you said, it does sound pretty modern. Yeah. Like I could see that on like an Apple commercial or something. Yeah, they go, yeah. And I think it's because like, yeah, their approach, I mean, that's different than the the mainstream hip hop that you would have thought about from that time. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference being that they were sample, heavily sample-based productions kind of thing. Yeah. And utilizing a lot of those old sort of funk records and a lot of turntablism and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, yeah, and so I can see like at that time, if you've got hearing tracks like that, and then you think about what's coming out of the UK with things like The Smiths, uh-huh. whatever, like at that time period sort of thing, you, it's you, like light and day. Night you can and day. see the difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, I think that... Um, describes it pretty well the yeah, smiths yeah. and the yeah. track we just played yeah yeah like there's, there's <laughs> some there's some space in between there, there. is some space yeah so, both good stuff smiths are great yeah no they are but yeah. just as far as what people were doing with music at the time yeah what what yeah it's amazing to look back yeah and, and I, see I, what people were doing exactly and i feel like you know i can tell you know why james was like getting into that side of things and he was identifying with that mm-hmm sort of thing and what which is what led him to inspire him to create moax as a label and and put up create a label for that type of music in mm-hmm. the uk which wasn't happening in the uk so right and i don't think he gets enough like credit early like in uk musical history for doing that um because i don't think dj shadow would have gotten as big if it hadn't have been for james lavelle and moax no that was kind of a catalyst that. moment yeah this yeah. whole you know, project that we've been talking about, science fiction yeah. and James Lavelle and DJ Shadow is kind of a yeah. catalyst for DJ Shadow and his exactly, yeah. the rest of his career almost like kind of a yeah, you know, like he came out with introducing, but then this kind of solidified his place in the hip hop world. Yeah. And you especially know, in the UK as well. Like right. DJ Shadow's following in the UK is massive and I think it's pro- because of this connection and this moment and mm-hmm. James bringing his music over to the UK sort of thing. Like um Yeah. Yeah. So and even Europe as well, because I think once those types of things hit UK, even in the underground <clears throat> sense, they kind of spill over to Europe a little bit. And so, right, you know, DJ Shadow is obviously kind of big on touring Europe a lot. And I don't really know if so many people know about him so much in the US as they do in UK and Europe. I would say but, no. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, because yeah. I know names like Beastie Boys yeah, yeah. or, you know, whatever, but I, I had not heard about DJ Shadow until I met you. Right. You know, yeah. so he's... Yeah. You know, just 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 one person living yeah. my life. Yeah. I didn't really. <laughs> he's not in like the popular culture uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah. As far as I was concerned, you know. So you know, yeah. it's taken me this long to get to this point of and being I, familiar with DJ Shadow, yeah. being familiar with science fiction and James Lavelle and Uncle. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and so yeah, all of that 
kind of stuff happened in James's history. Um, uh, he did say, like, in his household, because his dad being a musician, it was kind of like a, his dad had kind of an eclectic taste. So he'd grew up listening to everything from Art Blakey to Deep Purple to Queen and to, uh, like, classical music as well. Yeah, so he definitely has a connection to, like, rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like that he has that in his heart somewhere because you know working with like Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to say classic rock band, but like a classic rock band. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Um, like yeah. straight things. And then, and one thing I heard him say, uh, I believe, if I can uh, paraphrase a quote, you know, he came out with science fiction in 1998. Yeah. The follow up was Never Neverland. Yeah. Then the follow up to that was 2007 War Stories. And yeah. as I heard him describe. Science fiction was Uncle Does Hip Hop. Yeah. And then Never Neverland was Uncle Does uh, Electronic. Mm-hmm. And then War Stories is Uncle Does Rock. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of, here's Uncle with a rock tinge. Yeah. That's War Stories. Then Never Neverland, which was before in 2003, was Uncle with a electronic tint yeah. over. And as we know, science fiction is you know hip hop with DJ Shadow. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Does that make sense? That, it does. Yeah. Um, based on what he, what he was saying, and I I listened to War Stories, and that blew my mind. That was there's some really sick stuff in there. Yeah. And oh, that's yeah. that's one has Josh Home. Yeah. I don't know. It's Home or Homey. I've heard people say Homey. I always used to say Home. Just Home. He's got jo- that E at the home. end. Josh Home. I used to say Josh Home. But people say Homey. Ho- yeah. Homey. I'm gonna say Homey. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um. Yeah. Though to what you were saying there, the other way that I've heard James say. Uh, about describe these albums is science fiction the first one he said was naive the second one he said was about trying to find your feet so never le- never never land trying to find your feet mm-hmm. yeah. and then war stories is about stepping out of the front door and In, then into the melee yeah and then end titles stories of film in 2008 he says about seeing the world and um, he sort of said that and then he also said uh, immediately after he said that he was like well but that's also personal to me and what he was going through in his life in those moments during these albums. And that's the way he looks at it kind of thing. Totally. Because to me, like science fiction, I don't see as a naive album at all. But but obviously from him being in there and part of it and part of his expression. Yeah, that's valid. No, that, that's yeah, one of the amazing yeah. things yeah. talking about art. Yeah. Which is what we do here on Roots to Grooves. Yeah. Talking about Uncle today. We're yeah. just joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the different things mean different things to different people exactly, and it's yeah. just weird yeah and you know it sounds redundant to that last sentence i said sounds redundant but it's kind of because it is yeah and somebody can make something and this guy calls it naive yeah and <laughs> i mean like that's not a word many you know hip-hop or music fans would use to that's not the first word they would describe uncle as yeah. anything yeah you know like oh say one word about uncle yeah naive yeah that doesn't cut it that wouldn't that's not a good descriptor in general but no the person who's so connected to it says it's naive yeah that's interesting to me whatever that means yeah and it's like um and so yeah for the second album it took him five years to do that and Mm -hmm. gj shadow wasn't involved anymore uh, right after the first album and and personally as a fan of the first album i was nervous about where uncle might go to next so you were you heard that album like live in real time yeah i was around before 
before uh, the second album came okay. out. <laughs> I was, <laughs> so I was Uh-oh. like, you know, I was kind of like, oh, I, I don't know, because that fucking album was great. And then since, you know, Science Vision came out, DJ Shadow had done more stuff. Right. And I was really into his stuff. And I was just sort of like, well, I don't, I don't know if Uncle, I don't know if Uncle can move forward without DJ Shadow. That's what I was yeah. thinking back in the time sort of thing. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised. And I think I first heard a track off of Never Neverland on the radio. It was like in the car with my family or whatever. And it came mm-hmm. on the radio because kind of, uh, or it was probably late at night because in the UK, the BBC Radio 1, like their programming during the day was all mainstream pop. And then after like 7 p.m., it got into like some really some crazy darker, shit. Yeah. yeah, nice. And I think I was driving back from somewhere with the family in the car and it was like in the evening and they had Radio 1 on and they played a track from this album. They were like, this is brand new, yeah. new track from Uncle. I can, I can almost be there. Yeah. Close my eyes. I'm yeah. It was like dark there. outside in, in England, you know, in the back of the car. And um, it came on. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. It's like, I get it now. It's like, so it... The everything musically, I think, has gone in a different direction since the first album, mm-hmm. but it's been consistent. But the one thing that is the same, I feel like, is the atmosphere and the sentiment, which is very interesting. Like, even though over the years, and we can talk about this later, that, that uh, Uncle has had sort of different producers and different engineers and different writers and collaborators involved, right? There is like a consistent vibe and. Th- feeling over all of them kind of thing and that has to come from james lavelle i think that's what i'm gonna say that's the that's the one constant in this project yeah and and so like i'll be researching this you know on different websites and stuff and you know like on one site they'll they'll call them like you know in the categories of different albums like oh the the second iteration or the second carnation or whatever like the third yeah, you know, yeah. so because it's like obviously it's you know what is it a band a collective? Right. It's mainly James Lavelle. Yeah. Is like the heart and soul guy. Yeah. That that is Uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like different iterations with different people. Like for the second album, he was working with um, another guy. I can't. I had his name pulled up, and then I just lost it. Yeah. Um. So I mean, DJ Shadow was out. Yeah. For the second album. Yeah. Second album came in. And I don't know, I can't find, I don't know why I just lost it. I had it, but I, but he was some other guy. Uh, what's it? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, everybody, my bad. I, I had it all set up and then I lost my um, spot where I was looking in my notes. <laughs> uh, the, so there's, he's had some collaborators. I don't know at this, at which point, but um, Kudo, Tim's Gold, Tim Goldsworthy, Rich File. Pablo Clements. Oh, it was Rich File, I think. Okay, yeah. He's the he was he was like the the second yeah incarnation of Uncle. Right. He was the the second full time member. Yeah. Doing kind of quotes because they're these he's kind of experimenting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Like he he wanted to work with DJ Shadow. Yeah. They kind of had a little bit of a tiff. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Artistically or whatever. Yeah. And then he he was like somebody else for the second album. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Which I, is. But then also he would then he kicked that guy out for the third album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, yeah, yeah. We, which is fine, and I know other bands do that. Like the Shins comes to mind. Yeah, you said about that before. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. sorry, I just hit the table. But he's he wanted it to sound like a band. 
right called them the shins yeah generally yeah. that sounds like oh a, it must be a band yeah. four or five guys yeah or or ladies you know whatever yeah uh, you know but like it's basically james mercer one guy yeah through all the projects and it's basically a solo project yeah for all intents and purposes and that's how i see uncle uncle yeah is that about right it's it's almost a solo project but he, he chooses to work with the right hand man on yeah. each subsequent album because there's other other than james lavelle there's no consistency as far as members of the band right i would call it a project um versus a band or an artist kind of thing but also i think the closest parallel to uncle is massive attack uh-huh where um like the core of massive attack was three people and and then uh one of the guys left and then it was two of them and then uh and then there was like an album where it was just down to one of them. And then the album after that, like the other guy came back again sort of right. thing. And it was sort of like, and I've seen interviews of Massive Attack where they're basically talking about like how Massive Attack is like an aesthetic and it's a, um, it's like a brand in a way kind of thing. And right. so it doesn't really matter who's behind it. It's like as long as someone is uh, uh, steering the brand to be in the set on the same aesthetic kind of thing mm-hmm. and and especially with master tag as well they're similar because they don't not all of them are hands-on musicians they employ different producers and different right. musicians to come in and do things they, they've also abandoned complete albums like they did a whole album with damon albarn and they completely scratched it and started again sort of thing i mean what where's that yeah, that's got to yeah. be saved somewhere no yeah it's got to be somewhere and there's got to um, be some good a couple good tracks in there right there has to be yeah um but i think it was just like it wasn't it wasn't matching their vision their brand they wanted to put out sort of thing and um yeah and it's uh, that's the, the closest parallel i can think of between uncle is massive attack in the way that they approach their stuff like that in that mm-hmm. same way sort of thing that's cool i mean yeah. i'm just i'm yeah. still becoming aware of all this stuff in different yeah. realms of music that i'm not yeah, yeah. fully aware of and you know because there's hip-hop groups you know and you don't call them a band yeah but you know there's like brockhampton yeah you know and it's like a, a collective whatever you want to call it yeah and then whatever it's arbitrary it's subjective yeah, yeah. it doesn't really matter yeah. I, i'm i'm sometimes i'm more into vocabulary and like <laughs> how do i define this what is that what is this what does it mean mm-hmm then because nothing really matters these people are just making music yeah, yeah whether you're making it with 10 people for one album or you're a solo guy making one album everyone's after the same thing it's funny though but as we're talking about this james laville did describe moax the label as being like a band because he said like even though they were putting out other people's music like the the group of people working on the label were artists like dj shadow james laville himself Futura, he was still in America as an artist, but was doing album cover work and stuff like that. Right. And he said it was like a whole like family and a band of people kind of thing coming together to create this like aesthetic. And then when it eventually came to an end, he said it was like the band breaking up. It was like he didn't decide to like finish it. It was just kind of, it just kind of naturally came to a conclusion. Yeah. Because nothing lasts forever. It's like I, I feel like that about everything there's been different moments in my life where i've been doing different things and and like at a certain point i've been in this situation before where i've like known all these people and been doing this thing and i'm like oh yeah this isn't i'm gonna look back on this as like no (laughs) i mean all days in sultans 
like we had our heyday of doing our shows and all that sort of stuff yeah there were great days yeah but that era is not that's over now like you know we got we're still doing things and we're going to do new things and cool things bro but it, it's so sad but the heyday the heyday <laughs> is not you know so it's like, i hate having yeah. memories <laughs> <laughs> like you just gotta live with that forever now well we can erase those memories if you like sign me yeah, up yeah. plug me in <laughs> erase yeah, yeah i feel like that'd be kind of nice but that's kind of the, the point that's kind of the human experience yeah you, know, you have your experiences and yeah. you move on that's what yeah. these guys are doing with uncles. You try to do something, it doesn't work out. You try something new. But my takeaway thing from that is though, it's like nothing lasts forever, right? So yeah. even though you're going through like a moment in time, like we were, like with the band, you're doing shows and you like it's all cool and that. It just like it just doesn't last forever. Like you just gotta like make uh not make the most, but enjoy the the time. Like right, I mean, even right now, like we're in our heyday mm-hmm. of doing this, like exactly, you know. But like, you know. So anyway, you got to you got to remind yourself. Sometimes you're already in the good old days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you don't have to look back. Sometimes you're already there. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, right, completely aside, and this is very weird. I I don't know if this sounds weird, but the first time I remembered what the year was was 1989. Hmm. 1989 i was sitting in a, a school classroom i was like uh, you know i was i can't remember i can't do math i don't know how old i was i was like seven yeah and uh yeah and i just like looked at i looked at the wall and it said the date and i was like i'm gonna remember that like, it was, it was my, like a little pivotal moment it in was your just, young I was, mind i was just like the year is 1989 i'm gonna remember that i'm right here yeah and yeah. i like made a conscious effort to be like yeah i'm gonna remember that i have and you did I'm it like, <laughs> full circle and you said it now <laughs> decades later yeah I'm like, <laughs> i did go. it i remember yeah, exactly yeah but i mean yeah i mean that's a, it's a good point though you, know, yeah. you can you can set your mind to like remember this yeah be in the moment yeah that's good and people should do that more yeah all the time not just i remember that one time when i was a kid like be in the moment now like remember this look around be mindful because that's healthy and you want to know where you were and you want to have the memory in 20 more years yeah, yeah. about being here yeah yeah exactly i'm gonna take a snapshot right now remember this moment i'm gonna remember this in 20 years and in, in 2041 we'll have a re well we'll still be recording these every week two per week and you can uh a yogle search it google search it no a yogle search it a yogle that's yeah. the next one well, because either Amazon or Apple is going to buy Google and they're going to oh, rename, it, <laughs> rename it Aogle. There's just going to be one company <laughs> that does everything. Yeah, they'll do everything. There's... You need toilet paper? Buy it from Aogle. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. The Duh. company. You need home security? Aogle. Yeah. yeah which is, we're, we're talking about scary stuff, <laughs> making light heart about super scary stuff that might be more real than we're willing to admit mm. or, or think about the future. But okay, so cool. We got his thir- first three albums. Yeah, uncles that is but i'm kind of i kind of hone in on james yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's kind of his thing it is really because you can't there is like i've seen a documentary a while ago where pablo clements was on it and talking and a couple of the other guys and it showed some like behind the scenes studio type stuff yeah i haven't i didn't find it again recently you might have to do a little bit more deeper searching for that but yeah basically you know it's james's project and other people come and go kind of thing and mm-hmm. like um so yeah um but uh let's play a track i think it's time to play a track what do we 
I was going to play. I'm going to let you take it off of uh, the second album, just so we can hear the difference between. Get a little continuity, yeah. seeing where this guy's going. And uh, this track is called Rain, and it features Ian Brown. Um, Ian Brown did it. It's kind of funny. There was a track on the first album where Ian Brown was featured on, but I listened to the album and he's not on it. They hmm. basically redid the song as a single and put his vocals on it. Hmm. Also, Ian Brown's been in and out in and out of jail, so he may have been in the prison at that point <laughs> for heroin and drugs and whatever. He was uh, the lead singer of the Stone Roses. Okay. I don't know if you remember them, like early 90s band. And then he went on to do some solo stuff. Um, but yeah, he's on this track called Rain from Never Neverland. I'm down for it. I'm ready. Never Neverland, 2003, featuring Ian Brown from Encore, here on Roaster Grooves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Good energy. I love it. Yeah. You can see the uh, the atmosphere, I feel like, is still similar. I think mm -hmm. it's the orchestra, does it? The strings, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, it's right. a big sound with like the, yeah. the kind of rock and drums, kind of a, almost a rock yeah, yeah. music alternative vibe with strings, and it just yeah. creates this whole energetic, yeah. you know, kind of wall of sound yeah. kind of vibe. It's really good. Would you describe that as rock or or trap hop or is, is it funky uh, in any way or I don't know. Uh I mean just hearing that I hear I don't know man. I mean it's 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 <laughs> How would you describe it? It's it's like hip hop influenced alternative rock. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Cuz it sounds like it could be, you know, it's there's like the Verve. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, Oasis. Yeah. You know, um because of the vocals, that, and that's for like very much Ian Brown's type of sound. Like, yeah, even the Stone Roses were like sort of beaty rock. They were like beat. They were like Oasis if you put like break beats behind it. That's kind yeah, of what Stone Roses were. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. I. I think he's coming from as far yeah. as I can see. You know, from from my perspective. Yeah, yeah. Just personally, it's it's you know he's mixing alternative rock. He obviously has an affinity for you know rock like yeah, Queens yeah, of the yeah. Stone Age. There's it's there's not many more rock bands than Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, and then he's obviously mixing up stuff and he has influence from hip hop world. Yeah, from just the general vague hip hop stuff that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. And I I feel like he mixes it because that sounds like it sounds like it's a fast hip hop beat. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but if you slow that down, it'd be more like a yeah, yeah quote-unquote hip-hop yeah but since it's going fast and there's good guitars in there and then there's just yeah. the epic strings that are over it yeah, yeah, yeah. there's you no know, uber energetic definitely yeah 
Um, but, so I don't know if that makes sense, but that's yeah. I come from alternative music, yeah, alternative yeah. rock, yeah, yeah. kind of is my home of perspective where I'm coming from. Yeah, so that's what I hear. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I think that's kind of like what's happened like throughout their albums. Um, you know, throughout the years, is that he's it, he's sort of like invited a lot of kind of interesting artists to collaborate with. Mm-hmm. Some on some of the albums, they're like actual bands that have appeared. I can't think of the names right now but they've actually done like sessions in the studio and then and they've taken that material and then sort of like overdubbed more stuff on top of it like, yeah to make it to add that sort of hip-hop aesthetic or something maybe right you know taking that sort of rock jam thing and then adding strings and more beats and more samples to mm-hmm. it to layer it up and create that uncle atmosphere that uncle world kind of thing um i think is probably how i would describe it a little bit but 100 um, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah i feel it um so i mean good stuff great stuff yeah, yeah um it's interesting to see this guy's discography and kind of go through it yeah as i was researching yeah, yeah. and like i said I, I went from the bottom up on this one i started with science fiction cool yeah because that was what yeah. you you super turned me on to i think that's how you do it this group definitely um start with the first one yeah especially these groups who are like known for like these guys are you know doing huge stuff even though a lot of people might not know their names or something but they're they're bridging the gaps between these musical movements through decades not just like oh i'm gonna you know well there's some like change something a little bit like i'm gonna actually like merge two genres make a whole album and a whole career out of it well there's like there's definitely like there's very interesting collaborations that Uncle have done, yeah, because, um, like, I haven't heard of some of the bands, and I still haven't gone and checked out the bands that have collaborated with them. Yeah. Um, uh, there's one guy also, Mark Lanigan, who's like a vocalist that appears on some of the tracks. He's got a very, very heavy presence in his vocals kind of thing. I didn't know who he was, and I discovered him through Uncle, and I... I I've been at a friend's house where they had a Mark Lanigan record and they were playing that. And I was like, oh, that's actually his standalone solo shit is cool nice. as well. And it was good. Yeah. And I was like, but I still haven't died. I need to dive into it more. But it's interesting that Uncle is collaborating with these artists and singers and groups and bands that you still don't really know of that much, like kind of thing. And yeah. Like, yeah. It doesn't seem like he was going for what's the most popular no i mean the highest i could bring together the highest profile collabs are definitely the first album i mean with yeah. tom york and right. beastie boys and and richard ashcroft and the verve yeah so i mean speaking like, of yeah. how did he do that <laughs> yeah i mean how he was 18 <clears throat> when he started Moax. yeah yeah before he was before he was 25 they put over over 200 albums out under Moax. yeah like he was working hard i think it, that's I'm being conservative. Yeah. I think he might have done that like before he was 21. Right. Yeah. And he said, I don't know if I could ever work like that ever again. Yeah. Like he was like working. Yeah. 200 albums. Yeah. yeah. He didn't produce every album, but yeah, yeah. you know, he put those out under the, the label and that's a lot of work. Well, a lot of those are singles as well. Not all albums. Okay, sure. But, that, but, but still, yeah. even bringing that to, if there yeah, was yeah. 200 singles yeah, yeah. within several years, yeah, yeah. pretty good worth work ethic yeah and, and i think like towards the end moax got uh bought by xl records which is the label that arctic monkeys are on and stuff like that 
Okay. I, um, I think Warner Brothers were involved somehow, maybe in some publishing side of things. Um, but he said it ended when it was when the label was with XL kind of thing. So they mm-hmm. were big enough that they got bought out by bigger companies kind of thing. Like right. Anyway. Yeah. And he was kind of okay with that as far as I saw. Like, yeah. He kind of moved away from, he, he kind of saw the perspective. And I can't imagine what it's like for somebody, like I was born in the 90s, but he was more of an adult in the 90s. Yeah. And a part of this industry in the 90s and saw it kind of go from, you know, people collecting vinyl yeah. and no internet yeah. to everything being on the internet and streaming yeah and so i mean i saw one video he was he's he's a collector is he a yeah. you no know, crate digger kind of per- I, I don't really like yeah. to say crate digger i don't know i don't like yeah. that phrase that much <laughs> you don't I, I don't know why i don't know um i like it i'm a crate I, digger yeah i mean i don't yeah i'm not like opposed to it i i guess i'm i, I feel a little bit disconnected from the hip-hop world that i shouldn't be like oh. saying stuff like oh crate digger like casual <laughs> like oh yeah totally i'm a crate digger too everyone's a crate digger <laughs> but whatever but I saw a video and he has his own collection. Yeah, yeah. And like he was just rummaging through boxes and he's like, like he knows specifically, oh, this one. Right. And he would show like epic little tapes. Yeah. yeah. With like handwriting on and the artist. Yeah. And I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but like yeah, yeah. awesome artists from the 90s and stuff. And they like hand, like they hand tagged the mm-hmm. cassette tape yeah. and like drew like, you know, like, like they would tag it on like a, a wall or a, a train yeah. car or yeah, something yeah. Yeah. but it's right there and it's like what a beautiful little piece of history yeah and a lot of that stuff he had boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff yeah, yeah. a lot of it's like literally should be in a museum yeah i mean dj shadow does that as well we talked about on his episode how he had yeah. all these early tape cassettes from like tribe called quests like yeah. demo tapes and stuff like that yeah. i mean and these are yeah. like the original yeah the original copies. straight out of the hands of like the, that's crazy of the guys yeah but yeah, straight out of the hands of the guys that were yeah. working on it. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of, based on my perspective through my research, what I saw is he kind of he he kind of saw the music industry change. Yeah. Like in that kind of decade from 1990s to the 2010s. Yeah. Or you know that multiple decade period of time, and he kind of like saw the music industry for what it is, and he's kind of not down for it as as much as he was. Yeah. Um, I think also he said that he realized that the era of Moax when he was doing the label and the people that were involved with that, we're talking about heyday and everything like that earlier yeah. sort of thing. Like he realized that that he, he didn't ever think that they could grow out of that. Like he did, he wasn't sure like, you know. Like what the next step would be. Yeah, like how would you grow out of that type of like um, hip hop breakbeat like where do you go stuff yeah like i'm here already because yeah. he, he did something epic he took disparate genres yeah, yeah. and mixed them yeah what are you supposed to do from that like you already yeah, went yeah. a high dynamic yeah mesh yeah 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 so he was, I, i'm asking myself the same question he's asking like what do i what am i supposed to do after you do something so epic yeah so <laughs> I, I think that's kind of like you know the label got bought and everything like that and that and there's i don't know the details behind that but he has said it different points in time that you know you have to think about the economics of what you're doing as well and like you know you have to feed becomes family reality and you know and stuff like that and he's he has said that before where it's like you know you kind of have to reconcile yourself with like you know the art that i'm doing and then my family and then having to make money and you know so it's probably a financial decision to sell moax to a bigger uh, label and stuff like that but then For also sure. on the artistic side he said that you know he didn't know 
where will Moax could go after doing that stuff sort of thing. And, and so even, so I think like uncle has been his way out of that. Me, maybe unintentionally or intentionally or whatever sort of thing. This been mm-hmm. his, is, uh, because he did say as well, like when the label ended is like, he was kind of depressed and stuff like that and didn't know what to do. Like he put all of his archive in storage. Right. And he was like, I don't know. I'm just going to forget about that. Put it in storage, throw away the key type of thing. Like, you know. And, yeah. Kind of sad. Yeah. And it's like, and I think uncle has been his way to sort of get out from under that and move forward and then uh, uh, be able to go back to that archive, which he has done. Mm-hmm. There's been this sort of controversial thing because he did a Kickstarter where he was going to like repackage the first album, Uncle album and and doing like a traveling art show and stuff like that. And the controversy behind it was that he raised all this money from Kickstarter and then none of the backers got anything for like five years kind of thing. And there was there's all these people bitching about like they put this money towards this project and they didn't get anything. Well, think, what happened? I, I don't know the details, but slowly I think people are starting to receive the things that were part of the package that were promised like that were promised sort of thing um i don't know the details just took a little longer than (laughs) than he said exactly but um yeah so you know he's he's moved on musically and and uh, musically i think these albums are really good and yeah like he started to do sort of soundtracks type type of stuff Mm -hmm. under the name of uncle with some of the producers and engineers he's working with on the uncle project sort of thing um and which is kind of the bread and butter, you know, because you still have to make money and, you know, he's not really, you know, I think he has a sort of a cult fan base from the My Wax years, from the DJ Shadow Association, from the early Uncle Records. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not um, super famous. and He's not, yeah, he's not yeah. exactly a household name. Yeah, so it's like it takes, it seems like it takes a lot of work for him to be able to get anywhere at all with, mm-hmm. with, these projects when he drops them sort of thing um and so yeah it seems like a challenge from the outside looking in right to what he's doing now sort of thing um but he's still doing it you know still pushing forward and like he said um before he said he's really um he describes himself as like a collagist and a sampler that puts things together to create something new yeah collagist yeah it's a good term and he's like and he said that's how he's defined his own voice and so for him it's about striving for individuality he wants to express himself and create things new and be involved with new ideas and not be part of the crowd kind of thing right like, you know so that's kind of what drives him and what he wants to do sort of thing is what he's described yeah that sounds awesome i mean that's yeah. great i mean he's obviously a creative guy he's obviously pretty smart yeah 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 and he's pretty um you know go-getter attitude yeah i haven't watched it but there's a the documentary the man from mo wax so there's a documentary about all yeah. of this stuff i watched the i've seen the trailer yeah. i saw the trailer <laughs> I, I <laughs> which was just, good in itself i just bought the whole movie so i want to see that now because it's like um archive footage yo i want invite me over man I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah i'll bring some beers or something let's go let's do it yeah and um yeah, like so that I mean that for the viewers and listeners out there, I think that'll probably cover some bases that we don't even know about yet. But uh. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and like we said, when we're here to learn with everybody else, yeah. we're just trying to 
put a couple things out there to make things interesting because yeah. we're on a path of discovery and and learning yeah so um let's so yeah never never land 2003 2004 uh, 2007 sorry there was another album called war stories mm -hmm. which is really good i think josh that's where josh homie's first collaboration appearance i think appeared was on that album yeah i like that album this that's yeah there's some hard-hitting stuff in there and and I think the cover artwork was done by Robert Del Nigar, aka 2D or 3D. Can't remember. He's the guy from Massive Attack. Okay. He did that artwork. And kind of keeping with the theme of the two beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's another track on the album called "Burn My Shadow." It's a really good music video, um, starring this actor that used to be in ER back in the day. This Eastern European guy. And he like wakes up in the video and he's got this like um time clock attached to his like body. Yeah. And it's like counting down. Ooh. <laughs> and he's Ooh, like going morbid. In, and he's going into the mirror trying to remove it and it like like electrocutes him and stuff like that. And it's like mm. the whole race through this whole video. Of how long how much time does he have? Uh I think or just the length of the track, I think. Oh, okay, okay. It's like three minutes or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It was a really good cinematic music video, but no, yeah, it sounds it, great. Yeah. There's all these sort of dark kind of things following through Uncle with their themes and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, dark things is something we all can connect to. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you can't have darkness yeah. without light. Yeah, yeah, light exactly. Without dark, yin and yang, baby. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, so like Never Neverland and War Stories, kind of like two good solid albums back to back. Not really back to back. It was a quite a few years between each album but as far as his discography goes yeah, yeah as far as the sound goes and all that and then entitled stories to film was a really good um orchestral thing again very cinematic mm -hmm. um james said he said it's not really an out a conventional album like an uncle album in the usual sense um he said it's been inspired by moving image and he said he considers it a companion piece to both war stories and also like earlier stuff kind of thing um okay so yeah well and, and i don't know i was I, i've low-key been trying to look it up hmm. um but when i was doing research for uncle and it might have been a james lavelle specific thing but i saw there's a youtube video and there were some really cool tracks on there and like one of them was I think he was. It was like a remix album. Oh yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is the wrong time to bring it up. But we, so they did end titles Redux, right? Um, which is um, they said it reinterpreted tracks from the end titles stories from film plus two never before released tracks. And uh, yeah. Okay, so I mean, yeah. I don't. Know, that that must be what it must be. The name that's reminding me, but Radiohead has. You know, there's the connection there. We he worked yeah, with yeah. Tom York, yeah. and then Radiohead has this track called um, "End." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. End movie. Yeah, music. I know the one you mean. End music for it's a from, film. What is it called? It's from OK Computer. Yeah, and so he did like a cool mashup. I think it was a whole album, or it was like I don't know if it was a exit live exit music for a film. That's what I'm Radiohead talking about. Track. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Exit music for a film, and yeah. he, I think it was. I don't know. You know, sometimes I, I'm like I shouldn't have even. I shouldn't have even come here today. I'm not. <laughs> but it was a. I think it was. I think it was a James Lavelle remix 
or DJ set mm-hmm. where he's you know mixing different music together and, and the last track on there or one of the tracks on there was exit music for a film um I don't know it sounded super cool and then there's another one it was the last song on Daft Punk's album mm-hmm. Random Access Memories mm-hmm. and I can't think of the name of that one but it, it's the last album the last track off that album and it's super great and it um I don't know whatever but he features marvin gay contact was the last yeah track. yeah contact i think yeah. i th- I think that's the one okay yeah like again i should have wrote some notes about this because i'm kind of just speaking off the cuff yeah because i was like looking up different youtube videos and stuff yeah um but super cool yeah i mean i was just like it, it blew me away because i didn't know what to expect yeah, yeah and it's basically that daft punk music but then marvin gay like brother 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 oh, like yeah. i don't know which song that's called maybe it's brother Brother, How's, brother, what's brother, the next lyric? Brother, I don't know. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> like I think the next lyric is the title. Brother, the brother. Yeah, yeah. Probably the, right, right after that part the is part the title. We can't remember exactly. Um, yeah, I'll probably think about it right after we stop recording. Yeah, and I'll remember it. But super great. So just to throw a, for our listeners out there, like look up this this guy because he's making some cool stuff besides the discography that we're kind of yeah, going yeah, through yeah. Mm-hmm. um and he does have some other work that's really interesting and and very cool with um some more contemporary music yeah yeah you know mixing stuff from the 70s like marvin Gaye with something that came out after 2010 oh. so super cool yeah um but yeah random side story on our way um Just want to get that in there because that reminded me of it i think the name exit titles reminded me of yeah yeah, yeah. that was actually a good song from uh, okay computer radiohead album it's very different than the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. And uh It's the last song on that album too, right? No, it's like in the middle, I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, it was like the end of side A. Oh, okay. Right in the middle, could, maybe. Could have been a beast. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that, yeah. But anyway, I mean great track out <laughs> On the way. vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you buy the vinyl of it? <laughs> no. I one day I will have a vinyl collection. Um let's play this track Chemical featuring Josh Homme from End Titles. Cool stories. Josh Homie from uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. like those vocals yeah he was doing some stuff i've never really heard him do going into some falsetto he's really good i really like josh homie stuff like Mm -hmm. um as part of queens and stone age but also solo or not solo he's he doesn't really do solo stuff but he does like collaborations or creates other bands yeah yeah yeah. super members like i think he's done something with dave Grohl or something like Mm -hmm. that as well for sure um yeah he's really really good um guy I, i remember listening to this old radio BBC radio documentary about Queens of the Stone Age. No, it wasn't about Queen. It was about punk music that happened in America. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was about, but it was, but 
uh, Queens of the Stone Age were kind of interviewed as part of it, and they were saying they used to go out into the desert in Nevada, and it would be completely silent, mm-hmm. like dead silent in the middle of the desert, and they'd set up all their amps and everything like that, and just like play this like raucous, loud music sort of thing. And it was a whole scene, and it was a whole thing back then with that type of music, uh, like kind of punk and rock sort of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Real energetic stuff. Yeah, but like just, that's the thing that really captured about it when he said that, and Josh Homme said that, it was like, it was just the desert, dead silent, mm-hmm. can't hear a pin drop, nothing. And then they'll just, they're just piercing the air with their like live music, just but, set up sort of thing. That's a vibe. <laughs> that is right that, there, that's yeah. that's yeah. queens of the stone age vibe yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean yeah that just still desert yeah looking off onto the and whole, it's hot and it's, yeah, just kinda, and it's a night as well it's not during the day it's night in the desert oh so it's probably cold yeah <laughs> oh there may be <laughs> <laughs> didn't think about it's that it's probably yeah. cold I don't yeah. know but I mean that sounds great yeah what an awesome opportunity to do something like that yeah great excuse to get out to the desert and play some loud rock music there you go um yeah so and that was off of end titles stories for film mm-hmm. and uh and then in 2020 and uh, sorry in 2010 they did where did the night fall another night out uh yeah so there's two there's like 20 they did where the night fall another night out and they also had another album called another night another <laughs> i think it's kind of a weird thing oh really yeah i think like there's some similar tracks or something they 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 kind of do this where they they've uh, oh yeah they've sort of put out some albums with like remixes of tracks and stuff like that so it gets yeah. a bit murky like I'm just looking at that right now yeah because that first one in 2010 yeah where did the night fall yeah another night out yeah. that's it has 26 tracks on it yeah I'm not sure looks like there's multiple people doing multiple tracks on there like gavin yeah. clark's on like three tracks yeah or four or five do you know of gavin clark because i don't really no uh, yeah. just reading his name off yeah. this list here yeah is he do you know him is he i don't but he's really good on these tracks that's okay. what i was saying earlier he's like another artist where i don't know him but he's on a lot of uncle tracks so i yeah. kind of want to go see what he's doing solo wise I mean, like yeah. you like you said before yeah. multiple times, yeah. it's a good way to find out more cool artists. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about that. You know, yeah. some, some of these artists looking on the the liner notes of different albums. Yeah, and yeah. Having that be a way to discover yeah. more people who are in that scene. Yeah, more uh, people who you're into. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a great way. Yeah, so it's a fun way to experience. I think that's music. the good thing with features in general and music, like in any way you do it like especially i think like if you're in a community like if you're in seattle and you're releasing music Mm. and you know other artists that you like in seattle then you know uh do a track of that person and feature it on your album and vice versa you know because then if one of you gets something picked up and people were checking out your album then they Mm -hmm. discover the other artists and right i you know I, i that's not the only motivation for doing a feature i think but i think it definitely in hip-hop it gets used a lot as a way to like you know make connections network yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, 100%. But I think just in all types of genres of music, I think it's the way to do it, especially now, like when people were just not really consuming albums, but consuming songs. And if there's a song and you got this person on it, it's, you know, it's a way, it's an avenue to check out what that person is doing. Yeah, you know, especially, like, you know, a lot of it you wouldn't ever expect. Yeah. And yeah. and that's great. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I would never, like, upon doing research for, for James Lavelle and for Uncle, uh, you know, didn't think we'd be talking about uh, Queens of the Stone Age so much. Yeah, neither did Just, I. <laughs> didn't even and it, it's come up, you know, multiple times already. So yeah, um, that's one of the cool things about the show, uh, Roots to Grooves, that we've been doing. Yeah. We're finding connections where you don't think connections exist. Exactly, yeah. You just do a little exploring, do a little digging. Yeah. You're bound to find some gold. Yeah. And I, we, we've been finding gold every episode, so check out the other episodes if you haven't already. Exactly. Um, but yeah, good stuff. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, also in 2010, The the Answer, which is a series of remixes, mm-hmm. sounds like. Yeah. And he was working with a guy called uh, Psychotron. Psychotron. I think I want to say that. Mm. Um, another guy named Mr. Logger. Mm. So, uh, yeah, working with some different people. Tim Goldsworthy. Yeah. Some great names there. Yeah. Uh, 2012 Uncle Sounds Volume One. Mm-hmm. You know anything about that one? I did um, not listen to that one. No, I think it's uh, Josh Holmes on it though. Yeah, I think it's another like remixy type thing, like uh-huh. rehashing of some older material kind of thing, remixed yeah. and all that. Yeah. And that was 2012. Yeah, they've done it again. Like most recently, um, uh, they got this thing called Ronin One, which is Ronin uh, One, um, which is like a whole remix of different songs that have appeared on older older albums don't really get the context behind it but they did a music video with like a samurai guy and stuff like that so, sounds cool yeah <laughs> maybe they're just running out of ideas at this point it's like oh, i don't know we don't have the money to make a new album let's just like remix some old stuff and make a short film hey, just get a samurai guy <laughs> in our video we'll, we're, we're back baby yeah you can yeah you put a samurai guy in in almost any genre of music and it'd be good i think ching ching that's the <laughs> oh the shing. Shing, shing, shing. yeah we'll, we'll put some uh sound effects yeah we, for the video oh yeah shit that's, that's your job editor yeah i'm just kidding you yeah. don't have to do that i'll do that in there and they'll be like what shing, shing. yeah don't tell anybody <laughs> we didn't even say it. cut this part out just do the shings we're good shing just do the shings um yeah so i mean this guy so he as far as i know you know, from researching um, after not knowing about this guy mm-hmm. until until then. And oh, so Ronan is the last thing you were talking about? Was that yeah, the, yeah. the last one, which came out in 2021? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And so, again, he's working with a lot of different artists. Callum Finn, Leah Moss, Donnie Harrison, The Big Pink, mm-hmm. Tom Smith. Um, I think the most uh, recent bodies of work are original with the two albums uh the road part one which came out in 2017 and the road part two uh-huh uh those are two albums that came out lots of tracks on both of them um that's like the last body of original work and there's some good stuff on there and there's also some like brand new um collaborations um as well happening on there um yeah i, I like yeah. the the album art on the road part one by the way yeah i like um, it i don't know what it is i don't i don't know why 
apparently it is an artist that already had their image done and they um, commissioned or asked permission to use that okay artwork on the cover of the album yeah it's really cool yeah, yeah i mean for those of us who who aren't watching on video right now it's like a like an old kind of shabby room with mm -hmm. a, a big horse yeah and he's kind of colorful or he's wrapped in different um thread or fabric yeah. and then there's a guy with no body yeah um you know it looks like a suit being worn by a man but there's no man yeah on top of the horse and then there's like a an old feeble man wearing like a raincoat and he's got a hat on and a cane and he's kind of hobbling and there's like a lady in the back corner definitely for some reason that <laughs> one and and i think the road part two reminds me of some kind of weird camelot type okay vibes. yeah yeah camelot should we close out i think that's all i got on uncle yeah. Yeah. i mean uncle to me is james lavelle yeah he's kind of the heart and soul and he's been driving it the whole time yeah that's the one consistent thing yeah and the music is consistent because of him yeah um it's a great project yeah it's all good stuff the the people the outside peripheral projects are very good mm -hmm. the people he's worked with the people he's collaborated with yeah is good so this is he's just he's kind of like an underground awesome artist yeah and I, i'm just saying he's underground because i didn't hear about him yeah, told yeah. it you know basically recently yeah um and he, he doesn't seem to ever pop up like too much like i'm just saying from personal standpoint here yeah um i've never really come across this guy or been able to look into it because i didn't know about it but now that i've gotten the opportunity to look into it and research it great stuff yeah awesome thank you for bringing uncle and james lavelle to the table jay cool yeah um that's all i got on him awesome guy good music start anywhere yeah, start so anyway. I but definitely start the first album. I think science fiction. Uh, I feel like just go from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, okay, no, you're right. I would totally. Yeah. I don't know why I said start anywhere. I would definitely well, start at science fiction. No, you can start anywhere. You're right. I feel like every album is pretty solid and seminal and vibey and everything like that. Totally. Um, you know, so maybe start anywhere, and then if you like it, go back to the beginning yeah if you want to like if you like eating your dessert after dinner then start somewhere else besides science fiction if you want to eat that ice cream first before your steak yeah you know if you want to sneak some chocolate and then and then eat the steak yeah 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 you know, so. exactly yeah. so hey do what you want there's no rules that's the beauty of yeah uh consuming music and art yeah it's whatever you want to do wherever you want to go and that's the beauty um uncle uncle james lavelle Awesome. Check them out. This has been Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse. I'm Jay. We're about to play out. If you guys have any more information or cool stories about Uncle or James Lavelle or anything we got wrong, hit us up at the email, Jay. Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. S-I-G-N-L radio.com. Follow us on Instagram, on TikTok. Mm. And also, I'm going to play this track called Follow Me Down from Uncle. Follow us as we listen to Follow Me Down. Catch you next time. Later, guys. Thank you.
Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.